The Granzadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Hello and welcome. My name is Rick Gibson. I'm the Associate Vice President for Public Affairs here at Pepperdine University, and I'm joined by Dr. Linda Livingstone, Dean of the Grazadillo School of Business and Management. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Rick. I'm glad to be here today. Well, it's hard to believe that we've already come to the end of this terrific series. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how the series has gone, how it's been received, and then tell us who your final guest is uh, this time around. We've had four speakers, a couple from the IT industry. We had a venture capitalist, and we just concluded uh, about a month ago with the insurance industry and Paul Hopkins with uh, Zurich Financial Services. So it's been a, a diverse set of individuals and from industries that are quite interesting right now with all that's going on in the economy. We conclude our series this year in the entertainment industry, which is certainly appropriate sure, in Los sure. Angeles. Uh, we have with us David Hendler, who's the Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Sony Pictures Entertainment, and he's really responsible for all of the financial information technology and strategic planning activities at Sony. Well, I, I, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this conversation uh, very much. Let me invite you to sit back then and listen and enjoy this conversation with David C. Hendler. Well, I'd like to welcome our audience to our last Dean's Executive Leadership Series of the Year, and we're quite pleased to conclude at Sony Pictures Entertainment with Dave Hindler, who is the Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, but certainly more importantly for this series, he's an alum of the Business School, and Pepperdine has actually taught a little bit for us. So, Dave, welcome. We're so glad to have you to conclude our series this year. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Dave, you're in a really interesting industry, but you didn't start there. You started, I believe, working for a company that had bowling alleys. Yes, recreational service. Bowling alleys, tennis clubs, and restaurants, essentially, back in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, you were an accountant, I believe. So talk a little bit about the path you took, because you then have been CFO uh, at three major companies and brands Mm -hmm. at PepsiCo, and then Disney, and then now at Sony Pictures Entertainment. So... I think our uh, listeners would really like to hear the path from Baltimore and the bowling alleys to uh, Sony in California. Well, I was going to school Mm full-time, and uh, I had to pay for my own education, and I was working a lot of jobs and trying to make ends meet and get my education, and along the way I decided that would it be a good idea to get full-time experience and work full-time for two years while I finished my education Mm -hmm. at night. That way... Um, you know, I'd get out of school and I'd have some work experience underneath of me as well as having my college education. A lot of people were graduating in that time with, you know, a degree but no experience, so mm-hmm. I figured that would give me an edge up. So I happened to look in the newspaper and get a job for a recreational service company that was uh, all over the United States, privately held company, and, uh, or publicly held company, I should say, and um, had the opportunity to travel all over the United States as an internal auditor. I got a company car when I took the job, so at a very young age, I was 20 years old. I uh, had a lot of great experience and had to essentially um, you know, make sure that internal controls were being followed across the broad company. And so I got a lot of really great experience working and having to tell older, more seasoned people what to do and how to do it, uh, which was really great experience for me. Uh, and I did that for a while, and then I decided to uh, study and take the CPA exam, which I did. And uh, so after about seven, they promoted me to manager. I was there about seven years there. I had my CPA, I had my undergraduate degree, and I had seven years' experience. 
And uh, I came out to California on vacation to visit my brother and again thought this was a great place to live. Mm -hmm. Why not see what's out here? And just happened through a recruiter to find a job at Taco Bell, mm -hmm. which is a subsidiary of PepsiCo. So kind of landed in a big Fortune 500 company through a subsidiary of that company. And I went to work, moved out very quickly out to Taco Bell and uh, went through a series of different jobs, always Taco Bell, each with increasing responsibility. In the meantime, I got my, um, my degree at Pepperdine, mm -hmm. which helped me immensely, I have to say, uh, with my career. And uh, along the way, I decided that accounting was great, but if you really wanted to be a CFO someday or even you know, be a president of a company, you needed to have strategic skills. Mm -hmm. So one of the primary things that I tried to focus on is moving into a responsibility where I got strategic planning experience. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do that and get into a corporate planning type of role. And that really helped me really understand the, you know, the strategy of the business and, and what makes the, the business work. And I really enjoyed that a lot. So I did that uh, for a couple of years and I was recognized for my efforts and Pepsi was really good about promoting people across the vision. Mm -hmm. So a Fortune 500 company has a tendency to do that. So you could go to Frito-Lay or you could go to Pepsi-Cola or you could go to Pizza Hut. And they asked me to move back to New York to go to Pepsi-Cola as the director mm -hmm. of accounting. Now even though I had been in the more of the planning side, it was a good way again to get back into the company as, a, as an accounting in the accounting area, learn the, the nuts and bolts, and then you know move on to there. So I did that for a while. I went into a planning job from there, and then I moved back to California as a CFO of the Western Division of Pepsi Cola, which was a great job because now I had the strategy, I had the accounting, um, I had a good background in you know restaurants, real estate, you know that type of thing, and. Um, was able to come out to California in that job. And while I was at Pepsi, a guy that I worked with, uh, who I did some strategic planning work for actually, had gotten a job out at, at Disney mm -hmm. as the CFO for Disney. And he kept asking me, come out, come out, come out, I want to talk to you. And I thought, I'm in California, what better waste, way, place to work than an entertainment company? Mm -hmm. They had a job at the time as, uh, as uh, uh, accounting, mm -hmm. and in accounting, as a VP of accounting, corporate accounting. And I thought, well, I'm already a CFO, do I really want to you know, work backwards? But the thought was I could get in, learn the nuts and bolts of the business again, understand all of the divisions, and then figure out where I go from there. And so that's what I did. I went in, and for about a year and a half, I learned about the business. I decided the video at the time, this was way back in 1988, 89, um, 90, was the growth area for the company. And I moved right over in a year and a half to the CFO of Worldwide Home Entertainment and Pay Television. So now what happened was I got the opportunity to have global experience. And that really helped in kind of, you know, manage my career and also in kind of manufacturing, distribution and marketing of entertainment product, which was another area that really uh, allowed me to grow. So I did that for a while, for about four years, grew the entertainment businesses in the height of all of the self through video and Lion King and, you know, Little Mermaid and all the, the great titles back then. And I uh, had some television experience as well. And then there's an opportunity to move in a smaller division, which was a startup division called Disney Interactive. And that was, uh, you know, uh, computer games and what they called edutainment at the time. And they were starting up the Disney online, online service. So that was a great opportunity to move over as a CFO. It was a small startup in a big company, mm -hmm. but to get that kind of experience, again, global experience. Now it's more on the software side, expand my horizons in a different area and try to, uh, try to grow with that. So we started up three, three separate businesses, uh, really good experience from that standpoint. And after a while I realized that that business wasn't going to be a billion or two billion or three billion dollar business. And so uh, an opportunity came up to go to Warner Brothers in the music division. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and uh, I always liked music. I used to play in bands in, in high school and college or whatever. And they also supported the video division for Warner Brothers. So it was a good way to come in and transfer my skills that I learned in the video side of the business, pick up the music side of the business who hadn't changed in 40 or 50 years and figure out a way to try to drive and grow that business. Great experience. However, the music business after a few years just started you know, going way down. So it was all about cost control, laying off people and and although I had done a lot of that while I was at Disney because we went through major, you know, cost control, whatever, um, I decided about, you know, after five years of that, that maybe I could look for something, you know, more exciting. So I tried to leverage my experience in the entertainment side, and a job uh, opened up at Sony as a CFO. Sony also has a big music division, so I thought someday I could leverage those skills. And uh, I was able to move over uh, to Sony as the, as the CFO of the film and entertainment division, and I think... Again, getting the background in accounting and strategic planning, getting global experience, getting multi-divisional experience across different businesses uh, really helped me to kind of move into those, to those positions. Long answer for a short question. <laughs> well, it's a quite a varied and interesting career uh, for sure. So a couple things that you talked about uh, that I think, again, particularly for our students who are thinking about their careers and everything, you obviously your background was financial and that's yes. kind of how you started, but your role has broadened a lot and yes. there's a, a significant sort of management and strategic piece to that and you're, I think, known for your collaborative management style. How did you uh, kind of develop that broader perspective over time? I mean, obviously the MBA probably had something to do with that, the, the skill set, but how do people who maybe start in a more narrow financial track mm -hmm. sort of build over time a broader skill set to give them more opportunities like sure. you've had at higher levels in the Good company? Good question. Uh, two things. One is there's always project-related work in any company. Mm -hmm. The idea to seek out projects that lend themselves more towards strategy and planning and business analysis kind of gets you ingrained in that area. And then you prove yourself. And people recognize your efforts and your ability to think strategically and act strategically. And then, you know, when, when other positions open up that allow you to move into that type of role, you're one of the first people that are considered. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also being involved in broader meetings and having opinion and expressing it. People like to hear ideas and new ideas. And people who sit in a room and really don't offer up any kind of additional information won't go anywhere. You really have to be not outspoken per se, but you got to be able to communicate, express yourself, and be recognized for your ideas. And that kind of moves you in that in that realm. The MBA, by well, did help a lot. Trust me. <laughs> we hope it does. It did. No, it absolutely <laughs> did. Uh, no, I mean, you know, part of it is you know you'll be less considered for a strategic role if you don't have an MBA. I mean, mm -hmm. I have to say. Um, you know, having that MBA in my background certainly helped quite a bit in terms of being considered for positions. Checking off the boxes in terms of having the accounting and the CPA in the background added to that value, so that when I got when I was considered for particular roles, I knew I had a combination of those skill sets. So the other thing in in your background is, I mean, obviously your more recent history has been in the entertainment industry, but you started at Taco Bell and PepsiCo, which are very consumer oriented in a very different way than the entertainment industry is. Yep. How hard was that transition and any advice you would give our listeners if they really do want to transition industries, even if the functional mm -hmm. area sure. might be similar, uh, what you learned from that experience that might help them as they might prepare to think about a different industry for their career? Sure. Yeah, well, it's two things. It's industry and then it's also culture. So mm -hmm. I went from a very blue chip culture to a very crazy entertainment you know, yeah. driven culture. Um, and I think uh, obviously the first thing you want to do is get in and understand the business. So 
um, I made it a point really throughout my career um, to really get out and understand the operations. So when I first came to Disney, for example, I went out and I met with all of the operating executives of the division and asked them about their business, tried to understand their business, what could we do for them differently, what's not being done, etc. Um, I also went in and actually went on, you know, television sets and film sets and, you know, went over the Disney Channel and I, I really went in and actually tried to understand the operations of the business to have a perspective. And I think that really helped out a lot. So very quickly, um, I had a real good sense of how the business operated. And, you know, again, finance skills can transfer, I think, pretty easy. But you really, to have the real relationship with the operating executives, you got to understand their business. Yeah. And that's what I tried to do. So obviously an important part in the level that you are in an organization is putting together the right team to yes. work with you yep. to accomplish what you need to. And the industry that you're in, entertainment, has, is changing dramatically and has changed dramatically in recent years. How has that affected how you put together a leadership team and the skill set that you're looking for in people that you want to work with you as you kind of face uh, the, a bit of the uncertainty and sure. the change that's going on? I think it's a combination of a couple of things. One is you want to you want to be able to promote within and take existing talent that really understand the business and move them you know up in the organization, and I really believe in that. I think I think it's a combination of bringing in people from the outside as well. So you want fresh blood, you want fresh ideas. Since the business is changing dramatically, for example, you know I'd look for people who have you know more digital experience, for example, today to bring into the organization who are more. Uh, new age thinking who understand what you know the consumers are looking for from a product standpoint um, and so I think it's a mix of you know bringing people in that from the outside and promoting within within your organization I think that really helps to to uh, make it work so one of the things about the entertainment industry you, you're sort of running kind of the business side of the, the financial and strategic planning business side but in the entertainment industry there's also this huge creative piece of what goes yes. on and that, those are very different mindsets oftentimes different approaches to thinking and working yep. uh, and so the entertainment industry probably more than some other industries sort of almost has clashing cultures within its walls yes. uh, because of the different mindsets and approaches and, and ways people have developed so how do you work to bridge that being that you're coming from sort of more of the business side but obviously having to work closely with the more creative and artistic side and how does that play out and how do you yeah, it, that work. it's difficult at times. I mean, you have to respect the creative process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my role is not to tell them whether they can or can't do a project because because of it's either a good a good one mm -hmm. or not. Because you know, I'm not the creative executive. All I can do is point out to them the financial ramifications of their decisions. Right. So, you know, we put together a PL, we run different scenarios. We say, look, if this is what you believe the box office is, for example, this is what it's going to generate in profits. And by the way. You can only spend X amount of capital because that's all we have as a company to spend and you know you need this level of profitability and how does that fit into the overall strategy for the company. So it's a real balance. Um, it's not like you make a product, you deliver a product and it either works or it doesn't work immediately. The process is also extended. Mm -hmm. So you know we start movies and TV shows you know year and a year and a half in advance. You put up a lot of capital up front, you put up a lot of marketing up front and you don't re reap that for seven to ten mm -hmm. years down the road. So it is a very long process, and um, it, sometimes it takes a long time to prove one way or the other whether the product was right, wrong, or indifferent. So you can only just you know, offer advice and guidance in terms of parameters to work under um, through the process. So if you think about the many projects like that you've sort of provided advice on, were there any that in particular surprised you because 
it was much more successful than you thought it was going to be, or you thought maybe from a financial perspective it would be great, and it really wasn't so much. Oh, what you sort I of learned pretty much every maybe. movie is that way. <laughs> <laughs> One way or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, again, but, I'm you, just a consumer. I only know what I like, but... Um, you know, we have some incredible uh, creative executives that have a really good feel for what works in the marketplace, uh -huh. and you have to trust them at yeah. the end of the day. I mean, there's been many, you know, many projects that you look at it and you say, there's no way this is ever going to, you know, make back our, our investment, and they outperform, and then other ones, it's exactly the opposite. Uh, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's difficult for me. You can imagine how difficult it is for them. Right. And you roll the dice. I mean, one day something works great for consumers, the next day that it doesn't. You know, sometimes a TV show works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes a network will promote it, you know, a lot and sometimes they won't. And so, you know, so there's a lot of different, mm -hmm. sometimes a movie on paper looks great, financially works great, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get squeezed in a release date and some other movie comes out right on top of it and it doesn't do great. And sometimes it's the opposite. Right. So it's very, very difficult. But yes, there's many, many, many of those <laughs> occasions. Of experiences. Um, one of your responsibilities is strategic planning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when, when we think of strategic planning, oftentimes we think of sort of a long-term picture of what's going on in the organization. But things are changing so rapidly, particularly on the uh, digital side of things. So how do you approach doing strategic planning when things are changing so rapidly? to try to move the organization forward, but also to be flexible and adaptable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do, a, we do actually a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. You know, we always kid ourselves that probably the first two years are the only really good years in that, in that plan. But we really try to use industry information. We try to use trends. Um, we try to look at, you know, what's going on internally across the companies and the other businesses. We try to look at the, you know, what's happening in the, in the digital world, per se. And we really try to look at where consumers' preferences are going. Um, and we try to put all that together and then trying to figure out what the impacts are of the business. I mean, generally, we're a fairly mature business. I mean, you put out movies and you put out TV shows, you hope that they work. Um, what happens is on the distribution side of the business and how do you maintain that level of profitability? So trying to anticipate where that's going and try to force the change uh, is very, very difficult, but we're always on top of it and we do the best we can, um, essentially. But it is difficult. So if you kind of look at the trends that are out there, what do you see for the entertainment industry? And I, I know that's a sure. big industry, no, no, so no. you could pick yep. any segment of it, but I'm gonna, we'll talk more broadly, and you can narrow it down if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. What do you see as some of the key trends that you're watching, and which ones do you see as sort of the greatest opportunities versus the ones that you see as maybe the biggest threats sure. that you have to be cautious of? We'll start with the risk, because that uh, keeps me from sleeping. I'm sure it night. does. Uh, across the broad entertainment industry, really, one of the biggest impacts is just the decline in the DVD business, the hard goods business. It's had a dramatic impact on our, you know, I think, versus 2006, you know, the numbers are down, mm -hmm. down, sure. down, down significantly at the height of the business. So the opportunity is to figure out a way to grow the number of transactions broadly across the world. So mm -hmm. the idea is that in every home in the world, to be able to get every movie that's ever been made and every TV show that's ever been made in how they want it, when they want it, and for a price they want to pay for it, um, broadens the world. So people who don't go to movies today, people who don't go to Blockbuster today to rent movies or wherever they go, um, you know, have access to the product. And that access increases the amount of transactions. So for every sale that we lose in the sell-through business where you buy a product, hopefully it's made up in the rental transactions. Um, the other opportunities for the business, and that is a, a potential for huge growth for the business, in my opinion. The other opportunities on the TV side is obviously the ad market 
and the expansion in the cable and the syndication markets of the, of the product. So shows, you know, are working really well outside of the typical network business today. They work well in cable. We're really big in the cable drama business today. And, uh, you know, you can make a lot of money in that business. And consumers, you know, they're shifting. They want more variety. And, uh, and we're delivering it to them. So that's another opportunity for us. And the international markets, the global markets, are a big area for us. The channels business internationally is very, very big for us. The TV local production business. So what we're finding is that consumers in individual territories around the world are looking for more localized product. So we're finding areas where we can develop that localized product and TV shows and delivering, mm -hmm. and movies for that matter, into those marketplaces. So as you kind of look outside the U.S., where do you see the biggest sort of opportunities um, and how are you thinking about those? Are you really trying to localize by different regions of the world or how do you approach your strategy as you look outside? Yeah, I mean, certainly India is a big, a big area for us. Um, you know, we, we have channels in India. We have a great theatrical distribution business in, in, uh, in India. We have a TV production business in India huge growth opportunity. The penetration of you know, TV households is still not you know, you know, at, at its peak. Uh, Russia is another area for us. Big opportunity. It's grown to be a huge theatrical market for us. Um, some areas in Latin America, hopefully someday in China. We'd like to be there. But there are definitely some big areas of, of undeveloped, untapped potential for the entertainment business around the world. And we have really strived to develop, as I was mentioning, localized programming and the ability to produce shows for those countries because they want more than just American shows translated to their own you know, language. Sure. So we're moving in that direction. So uh, when we talk about in the business school, and you may recall this from when you were a student, uh, we spend a lot of time talking about how we're developing value-centered leaders and advancing responsible business practice. So we spend a lot of time talking about values and how that drives who leaders are. So as you sort of reflect on your leadership and, and who you are, what would you identify as you know, two or three sort of core values that sure. are important to you that you sort of draw the line in the sand on? talk about that tonight, too. Oh, good. <laughs> um, certainly, uh, honesty and integrity are, mm -hmm. are important for, you know, for our, particularly in a, in a finance role. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely critical. Uh, teamwork and collaboration is, is key. Uh, balance of work and family is a value that you know I want my my people to uh, to understand, and then really understanding and communicating about the business. It's not necessarily a value, but it's kind of a trait that's extremely important for my for my group to be able to do, particularly in the finance area. So I'm going to pick on one of those when you talked about balancing kind of yes, work, work and, and family. family. Sure, and I haven't quite figured out if you can really do that for me personally, but how do you? sort of think about that for yourself, given the kind of work you're in and the, the high-pressure position that you're in. Do you have any sort of great strategies or tactics that work for you and your family that make it possible to do that? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Um, you know, I think part of the, part of the thing is being able to, uh, to leave your job mm -hmm. at the job. So, you know, I'll work as hard as I have to to get the job done, but I make sure I take time for my family. And when I am home, my work stays at work. I don't bring my BlackBerry to dinner. I don't take my BlackBerry to bed. Uh, I don't, you know, we're in a family setting. I'm not on the, the phone all the time. And the other thing that I try to do is I bring my family into the business. Mm -hmm. So they, they come here, they enjoy it. We have bring your kid to, to work day, which I've done in the past. Um, they, I, easy, obviously it's easy because I work for an entertainment company. Right. But it's a good place to bring your family to, and I'm right. sure the, I mean, the family loves doing it. They understand what I do, and a, a quick example, you know, my daughter was working uh, as an intern on the lot for the summer, and um, 
So for she worked 80 hours a week mm -hmm. during the summer, um, and she drove the same. I couldn't we couldn't go together because her hours were completely different. But she drove the same hour and 10 minutes to work every day back and forth that I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, she'd come home on a Friday and just be cursing and whatever. Hate the and she finally got what I what you were went doing. through. So they so they get an appreciation uh -huh. for what you actually do. And when you're working, you know those kinds of hours, what it really takes to get there. Mm -hmm. And she used to give my wife a hard time about you know why are you so nice to dad when he comes home, you know. And she said because he works for the family. And now she finally got an appreciation right. for that. You know, what do you expect when you come in the house? You want, you know, whatever. You want to hear about 20 million problems. You want right. to just enjoy the family. So Relax a little bit. That's the, that's the you know, mm -hmm. how to, and, you know, make sure that, and, uh, and honestly, I've had bosses, in current, including my current boss, that, um, you know, understands and appreciates family. I've been mm -hmm. really lucky in that regard. So if I say, you know, I need a week vacation, I get a week vacation. If I need to go to a baseball game, you know, mm -hmm. so, you know, they know I'm going to work right. whatever it takes to get the job done. So... I think uh, that's a good way to have a, a great balance. Well, that leadership from around and above you is really important in giving people the sort of the freedom to do that. And it certainly makes them happier and better employees, I think. As yeah, well. so, yeah, yeah, you bet. So you're in the entertainment industry, and your company produces lots of interesting movies and yes. television shows. So if you had to pick some oh, of your God, favorites, what would you pick and why? Well, um, and, I, and I actually thought about this. And again, it's, a, it's kind of a... That wouldn't be a popular choice, but believe it or not, uh, one of my favorite movies is the movie Ghost, and uh, with That's Demi Moore and, uh, and Patrick Swayze. And the yes. reason why is is because it was kind of good versus evil and good mm -hmm. wins, and I like those kind of movies. And it had a romantic romantic mm -hmm. twist to it too, and it was very unique and different, yeah. and you know not the run of the mill. I've seen this you know five times before, so that was one of my one of my favorite movies, I think. You know, it's an interesting because that movie is actually very significant for my husband and me. And uh, we watched it, I think, the first time. It was not too long after his father had died. And so it just had this sort of interesting oh, take yeah. to it, given the, the storyline and yep. that and everything. So that's a, yep. it is a, an interesting one, but it's a really great, great, great movie. movie. Great movie. Yeah. So that's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Well, Dave, we have enjoyed so much having you with us. And sure. uh, it's always wonderful to have alums with us in our Dean's Executive Leadership <laughs> Series. It's a real treat and we right. just wish you uh, all the best and great success with your continued efforts here at Sunny. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, Linda, that was a most enjoyable conversation with David. Well, we always love hearing about the entertainment industry, and David's particularly interesting uh, because of the work he does at Sony, but also because he's uh, a member of our Board of Visitors and alumni. So he cares deeply about Pepperdine and can really uh, relate to our students and alumni. Well, it has certainly been a marvelous series this year. It is uh, always uh, exciting to meet these guests. Uh, I'm assuming you plan to continue the series in the year ahead. We certainly do. We will be finalizing over the summer our speakers for next year and know it will be a wonderful lineup just like it has been in the past. So we look forward to our guests joining us again next year. Well, very good. Let me invite any of our listeners who have interest in learning more about the Dean's Executive Leadership Series here at the Grazadio School to visit our website at bschool.pepperdine.edu slash DELS. That's D-E-L-S. And until next year, thanks for listening. True leaders inspire others around them to achieve. 
and leadership is a quality that we can help you develop and master. I'm Dr. Gary Mangifico, Associate Dean at Pepperdine University's Grazia Dio School of Business and Management. Our evening and weekend MBA program is designed exclusively for working professionals like you. Our curriculum, faculty, and highly collaborative learning environment give you a deeper understanding of your own unique leadership style. And though our regional campuses are only a short distance from your home or your work, you'll travel further than you ever dreamed possible. To learn more about our evening and weekend MBA program at our Encino, Irvine, West LA, Westlake Village graduate campuses or our new Santa Barbara location, text INVEST to 30364. Pepperdine's Grazia Deal School of Business and Management. Master the leader in you.